and gentlemen, this stage is set. The mics are on. It's not another fight cast time. With your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner. This man is a former fighter. The voice of Brave Combat Federation and Clan Wars MMA. The great and powerful Phil Campbell. Fighting out of the red corner. This man is a former fighter. And now one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. The one and only Andy the Icon Burrow. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome along to Not Another Fight Cast with myself, Phil Campbell, my co-host Andy Burrows. Andy, how are you? Not too bad, and again, we're glad to be back. Last, well, we missed an episode last week just simply due to the fact that there was a lot of fights on. Phil had work commitments coming back from another trip away with uh, Brave Combat Federation, and I had a lot of coaching commitments on. So we decided we're not going to try and push through an episode that we wouldn't be happy with. So we decided then to leave it for a while. And now we are more than happy to have on one of uh, Northern Ireland and Ireland's most prominent mixed martial arts superstars, in my opinion, um, coming off another strong victory at the weekend, another very hard-fought victory at the weekend. And we have with us Mr. Jeff the Hummer Hall. Jeff, how the hell are you? I'm very good, mate. Thanks very much for having me over. Appreciate it. How's, uh, how's the body feeling after the weekend? The body's actually not too bad, mate. It's, uh, I had a bit of a sore knee uh, on Sunday, and, and bar that, I was limping about on Sunday, and back in with Aaron Wallace training yesterday, so mm-hmm. all good, mate, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be sparring tonight, so... Happy days. Good. For, for the listeners that may not know, Jeff competed at the weekend on Clam Wars 36 uh, against a very talented fighter in Andy Houlihan, who was coming in to the fight high on confidence, 4-0, uh, four wins by armbar, three in the very first round, so he was legitimately dangerous. Did you know much about him going into the fight at all? I did, well, I didn't know that much about him. I've seen a couple of wee fights on YouTube. I've seen the first time I was tagged in a fight. I mm-hmm. just clicked on, obviously, as you do, because um, the last, my last opponent, there was nothing. So I clicked on his debut, I think it was, mm-hmm. year ago, year and a half. That went in, that was the fight, went into the third round? Yeah, one by triangle armbar as well. Yeah. yeah, so I knew he had gas to go into the third round as well, um, but never watched anything more from that mm-hmm. until the day of weigh-ins. And then I watched a couple more as well. But we knew he had won all his fights by armbar, and I knew that he was going to come in and, and sort of clinch me and try to take me down mm-hmm. and go for an armbar or some sort of submission. And we, we, myself and Noel Keith, uh, in commentary, we had talked about it that you know the. The sensible thing to do would have been to sort of stay away from the guard, to stay away from the clinch game. But you know, you you, you dive right in. You know, you were you were more than happy. You were obviously very confident in in your ground game. You know, you, you sat in his guard and 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 you were landing strikes. Was that part of the game plan, or were, um, were you confident enough in your ground game that you knew that you could hang there? Honestly, it wasn't part of the game plan. I sort of knew it was going to go there uh-huh. at some point. Um, and we were drawing armbar defences and stuff in a way. My posture's always pretty good in regards to in grappling. I'm always keeping a, a good posture. But uh-huh. it was just, I went into fight or flight mode. And it was just, I had him a couple from his guard. I knew, I felt right away his hips. He had pretty good hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was constantly moving the hips, trying to create angles. He uh-huh. was. I felt his hips and he went for the armbar submission. And I knew, I don't think he's going to get it. I just I pulled it out a couple of times and felt the strength of his hips and stuff to get there. So... Probably in the back of my mind, I just went, he's not going to get that armbar unless it's a scramble or I'm totally knackered. So 
hit him a couple of punches from inside the guard and seen his eyes. So Heavy punches, man. You caught him clean inside the guard, especially yeah. in the second round. It was, yeah, it was a stage yeah. in the second round where I, I was like surprised. He literally looked like he was starfished at one point. Both hands fell back and his head rebounded off the canvas. Yeah. I was convinced it was going to be stopped. And I think I looked around and I said to Peter at this time, this is going to get stopped. Only to look around and he'd like returned like a zombie. Literally yeah. like the Undertaker sitting back up trying to get back into the fight. And I was like, how's this guy keeping going? Was Deggy the ref in that fight? He was. Deggy. That's yeah. good refereeing because, it then it, because then it went to the third round mm-hmm. and he's both you yeah. know went at each other so so for Deggy to see that he had the presence of mind to stick in there mm-hmm. fantastic referee no again that, that actually is a very good point I mean sometimes we all we all want to slag referees literally everybody does we all want to give them you know some sort of shit about how they perform because it's the hardest hardest job it, in mixed martial arts yeah, but I was oh, going to point sure. that out Aye. it is the hardest place to be you're the third man in the ring but I, I think as you rightly pointed out Deggy did a great job because there was there was moments in that fight that you probably you wouldn't have lesser experienced lesser experienced referees. Yeah, probably you wouldn't have, have let the fight the unfold. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. might not have disagreed with it overall, but I mean, I thought for that fight as well, like both you and him, you and Andy proved that obviously your conditioning was there. And you're yeah. tough as fuck. Ridiculous. He was <laughs> absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Seriously tough. I mean, Daffy, did you think you had him away in the second? I did. I don't know. Right. To be fair, the Daggy or anything else, and Daggy was doing a brilliant job. I mean, I was the one hitting him, and I, every time I hit him, I sort of seen him going, but coming back immediately. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And he was sort of squirming, and it wasn't like he was ever possibly out. Mm-hmm. He kept looking at me and, and trying to pace out, and trying to pace out. So, I mean, it, it definitely wasn't a stoppage. If the fact somebody had stopped in and stopped that, there would have been that man would have bounced straight up mm-hmm. yeah. and, and shouted, you know, what's going on here? But no, fair play to that, fair play to him because. Number one, he was getting married in two weeks, which I only found uh-huh, out after yeah. the fight. And Those will be did. interesting wedding photos. No, uh, but he texted me. He texted me the other, the other day and sent me a message as well. But no, he, he took a couple. Of, I mean, it wasn't the prettiest shots in the world, but there were thuds. Aye, you know, you could hear that. Mm-hmm. I said, he, I said, he straight after the fight. Myself and Noel said he straight after the fight. It wasn't one for the technicians. No, but fuck, it was entertaining. <laughs> oh, you couldn't have heard like this is like obviously I was in I was in Jeff's corner for him. Doesn't know I was I was helping Jeff out, lucky enough to be part of assisting Jeff for training for the fight. Um, and in the corner with Jeff, genuinely, I was at, at this point shouting at the top of my voice simply to be heard, as we can be here as our three discussing uh, are discussing this now. It was so loud. The the noise inside there was absolutely deafening. Mm. It was. Mm-hmm. It was seriously that, especially my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know, uh, but that's kind of a, a hallmark of your fight. Pun intended there. Hallmark. Hallmark. Right, Andy. But that is genuinely like a hallmark of your of your fights. You know, you are from day dot. It's not as if you know you've you've built this following. It just seems to have been there from day dot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what do you attribute that to? Is it is it friends, family? Is it people seeing the fights and then getting on board? No, I mean, from the, the debut, yeah, I'm not too sure if you were at the debut, possibly, in the, the Ulster Hall. Hall, yeah. Um, this is before, this is way back before I knew you, yeah. I yeah, was, oh, I, 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 I was there, I was there as well. I was there at Bullring, or maybe just as you I, were Yeah, I was, I was Bullring at the time, yeah. Yeah, um, it was just one of those things from the debut that had sort of sold that many tickets, and mm-hmm. the crowd was that good, and a cold and a noise in the Ulster <laughs> Hall that I just remember stepping out. Uh, the, I think it was Can't Be Touched or something like that, or some Whoppy song, and the place just went. <laughs> Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones oh, Jr. Beautiful. That's right. And just a place went bananas, and the whole way through the fight, it was just the same. It was just noise, noise, noise. And then 
Roy uh, or Ray, what do you call the commentator at the time, the American fella came over, was really, really good. Ray Florence, was it? He um, he just done an interview saying that the, he'd been to UFCs mm-hmm. and never heard so much noise mm-hmm. coming out. So I think after that, people just kept it up mm-hmm. after that. I suppose some some amateurs kind of have to build to that. Yeah. But for you, sort of having that kind of following from the get-go, it's not something that you've ever had to acclimatise to. It's, it'd probably be mm-hmm. stranger for you if you didn't have that, you know, taking fights across the water and stuff. Is it strange for you not um, to have that? It is strange, yeah. Um, a couple of fights I went over across the water. Um, mm-hmm. But less pressure. Okay. If you know what I mean. But, um, no, it is, it is a wee bit strange. The last one there, uh, unfortunately, I never got the fight because the... the I pulled out on the way to the cage as I was walking out. Um, but I was Dan Morgan over. Um, was that Forza? Dan Morgan in Scotland. Yeah. Forza, yeah. Um, but no, it's definitely it's definitely weird having no no support at all or uh-huh. not hearing people shouting and screaming or that much hype. Obviously, you get your messages and your wishes and text messages and stuff, which mm-hmm. is always unbelievable. But no, that definitely definitely. I, so I actually not that I prefer it because obviously it's good and. Mm-hmm. You try to be a bit of an entertainer and have a bit of crack and give people a day out because it's I mean you're not here to go to UFC you're here to make people have a good day and mm. put in your the training if you know so well supposed to showcase you know, how good you are your training but um, I don't know but I actually like to go away maybe before Christmas if I can maybe get oh, away really? on it. Mm. I think so just to see either as it. <laughs> you want to go away and experience something different or um, is it the fact that you just feel the need that you want to compete again? No, but both. I want to I want to compete again. You know, I probably would have actually maybe done a Kim or something like that. They're only I'm going away next week on holiday, so it mm-hmm. didn't really coincide. But um, I think just to go away and see, I'm having a bit of problems at the minute, but that's a adrenaline thing, as I was saying to you before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a adrenaline thing from, from when I came back. I, I can't control it. When you say that, um, just so that people can really like, understand what that means, so what you're saying is really that you're having a problem controlling the, this, wait for it, good word, arousal level before you go and compete? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but last time, the, the time out in June, mm-hmm. I felt probably the best, best cardio, mm-hmm. the best, well, maybe maybe the best shape, but I felt completely brand new, yeah. hence the 2.0. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, sort of came up with or it just caught on. Um, but... Again, no nerves or nothing backstage, which was quite. Mm. I said, touching that in that wee video there, there was no nerves or anything backstage. We a couple of butterflies that yeah, you yeah. usually get as a fighter, of course, so you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the minute that I walked out into not onto the onto the wee platform, yeah, yeah, walking yeah. out to the cage, then it just hit me like a car crash, mm-hmm. like a, like I've just been in a car crash. Yeah, I think there's 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 a misconception sometimes with people who don't necessarily compete that somebody can look gassed after a round mm. and yeah. it's fuck all to do with cardio because you, you've done yeah. the work, you've done the training you've done the miles by yourself which are fucking lonely but the adrenaline dump can hit you because you, you, you build it, you do build it up to be a huge event, which it is yeah. and then going back after the first round that adrenaline has gone from a spike to a low level and you just feel absolutely drained and I think that's something everyone that's competed has felt at some I think stage it, yeah, I, think in, 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 I think more or less in combat sports that's I would imagine that's pretty much a phenomenon of mm-hmm. combat sports because you get that chemical cocktail, the dump of all those chemicals mm-hmm. into the human body. It does obviously 
what it's designed to do. It's supposed to allow the body to produce more physical force, to, to use oxygen more efficiently. But the problem with that is you find yourself consuming so much more oxygen and your muscles are then so filled with oxygenated blood, yeah. it's very, very difficult to sustain flush that, that yeah, out or and sustain, sustain that. Yeah. That's more important. So that's where you see what people describe as that sort of that adrenaline dump that um, people are described as being gassed. And I know like genuinely how fit you were the yeah. first time around. Yeah. Um, and then it, whenever you came back into the corner, I think it was the end, end of the first round going into the second, mm-hmm. I, I looked at you and you just said to me, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, no, slow down. You're not. You're going to be fine. And then at that point, I think it was, you discussed that on the video you did with Jack and Mel. Jesus, I said to you, look, look across the ring at him mm-hmm. and tell me who's worse. Yeah. And I think that you sort of were back in the room at that point. You had went yes and you grounded yourself more and were yeah. able to then perform that, sa- that second round against the, I can't remember the French guy's name sounds terrible Cyril Rossage yeah and the second round against him was an absolutely phenomenal finish yeah it was um, but that it seems to be the first, first exchange you know mm-hmm. coming out that time and this time I sort of visualised a lot more and meditated and actually went to Philip uh Robert Herman as well, okay. like a subconscious, subconscious hypnotist uh, sort of yeah, guy. He's very you know, good. He's very good. Yeah, he is very excellent. good. Actually. And a few audios and stuff to listen to. And I mean, even the walkout and stuff there. And I was nervous before this fight because I thought the last time I was in the best sort of shape and, and I could have done. You know, this time am I going to do as much again? And then this is going to happen again. That was always in the back of my mind. So coming up to this fight, I wasn't enjoying it. As much as the last camp, the process, the, the process. Okay. You know, I kept mm. saying to Henry and Troy and the ones that was in the camp too with me, I'm just not feeling it this time. I'm not feeling it at all. You know, so although the walk-in was great, I mean, I came out and I, I can remember the walk-in was fantastic. You Definitely. know, I said to you mm. backstage, you know, let's you know, let's let's go and. Because I said to you actually before I went down, like two seconds, I said, this is noisy down here. Yeah. This is really noisy down here, but I think it's going to get a little bit louder. And literally, like, the That's noise true. level was... it was it's, it's almost palpable unless you've actually felt something like that. It is almost like a physical force hitting you, mm-hmm. how loud that is. The only other thing I would like in that too was with Mickey Dorn and in Ulster Hall. Ulster Hall. Like, right. That was like an out-of-body experience, that noise. That, uh, for, that, for my money, is the best walkout I've ever experienced. I've never seen anything like that. It's, it's probably the best moment in... In sport, I've experienced mm-hmm. to be because it was literally like hairs in the back of it your neck. It was crazy, fantastic, crazy. And I've, I've and I've, I've I've been at some great shows as a fan. Mm-hmm. I've called some great shows in a professional mm-hmm. capacity, oh, yeah. but still for for that, that was like, you know. And then to do what he done and come out and, and defend the rear naked choke and mm-hmm. everyone so early, going to so early as well, yeah. When uh, Keon Lockin took the back, oh, I came back and it was lethal. Like it was a really really good walk out. That was so a great was, fight. That was a, a fantastic, fantastic fight. fight. Absolutely fantastic fight. I miss Mickey. Aye, like he's so, one of uh, even about the gym is one yeah, of one of the best characters. I hit Mickey the hardest I've hit anybody in my <laughs> life. I mean, in a fight, in training, in sparring, and it was just so he would fucking leave me alone. <laughs> I, I hit him an uppercut that nearly that I thought my hand had come through the back of his head, and he just nodded at me and went, "Some fucking shot there, bud." <laughs> he, he loved it. Was, yeah, he awesome. loved it, man. It was fantastic. It was fun. <laughs> one thing I wanted to touch on with you, Jeff, is you mentioned the the mental aspect and going to a subconscious hypnotist or, or, or therapist mm-hmm. is that the, the mental side of the game is that something that's been new for you or is that something that you've implemented before in different capacities um, no I've, I've, I've uh, implemented it before I've, I've went to Robert Herman years ago so I have to me the, the mental side of it is a massive massive thing uh-huh. so it is um, 
I mean, years ago, whenever I first started in Antrim, the old, old Antrim, um, I used to have a thing of if I was really friendly with somebody in the gym, I couldn't punch him in the face. It was a weird, weird thing. So at the well, time, that's fucking changed. I know. I have. But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you got over. You got over that rightly, didn't you? I got over it. Mate. Much yeah. to everybody's detriment. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I went to Robert before um, years ago about that, and then Merv and stuff was doing a wee bit yeah, with him as Merv well. Mons, Merv, yeah. Paul Moore at that time was doing a wee bit, and then. Uh, fell in with Norik, mm-hmm. sort of performance mind coach as well, and started doing a lot of stuff with him, and went down to Tony Robbins seminars and, and bits and pieces with that there too. Um, but towards the end of when I snapped the arm and sort of came away from competing and stuff, I hadn't been doing it as much, just sort of fell away from it. Uh-huh. Do you um, think that had an impact then, perhaps a little uh, bit? I think it did, mate, yeah, for sure. Aye. Um, Everything was sort of getting to me at that point. I just couldn't be bothered training. I couldn't be bothered dieting anymore. It was just sort of uh-huh. you sort of get sick of it, and then just you're not if you're not training right and you're not preparing right. There's no point of even going in, mm-hmm. you know. Hence the losses too. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's you know I think you say the losses there. You've you know you've two losses on your record against two very good guys. Yeah. You know, and I think to a certain extent they've been formative for you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They've they've perhaps highlighted things that you you needed to work on, or and I don't just mean physically. Perhaps you know the mental side of things as well. If you weren't engaging to the degree that you were on the mental side of things, mm-hmm. perhaps that highlighted that that's something which is as essential as the physical training. That's part and parcel of your training camp. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? Look, I f- definitely f- uh, fair to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, now the first loss. Um, Devastating to me, like really, really bad because obviously it was the it was the interim belt I think I had at the time, and it was meant yeah. to go on to fight Aaron Kennedy as well, mm-hmm. which I, it was a fight I wanted for years. Yeah, um, as you you won the interim belt uh, against Owen Kenny, um, yeah. and was that was it less than ten seconds? It was a brilliant. It was yeah, yeah, we discussed that. I was actually yeah. talking about that on Saturday night. Yeah, um, we just discussed that on Saturday night. How much of a cracking shot that was, and you and I discussing that about. 20 seconds before walking down, it's like right. step out right, throw the right hand, and you come out with a jumping knee. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you're you're riding you're riding the crest of that wave, winning that belt. <clears throat> you know the the Kennedy fight was meant to happen a number of times, it didn't mm-hmm. happen. And then and then what happened? Um, the, what actually happened was I tore my, my bicep on my rotator cuff tendons, mm-hmm. minimal tears, um, just before I think Aaron had pulled out again, um, and then. What do you call the fella for the belt? Um, Larry Rasser, can't remember. Kane, not Kane. Was From, Tag, Tag Dixon, was it? No. Was that the second? One, oh, that was the middleweight fight. The guy, Torres, JJ. Um, um, oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. That's terrible, and I can't remember that he's guy's real, name. He's a real good wrestler, too, a real good fighter. And with, with them tours, I remember getting. Mindy had just sort of started down with us mm-hmm. at the time as well, big Mindy. And all six foot eight, 120 kilos of him. Of Hulk, yeah. Nobody ever seen him, man, that big. I've seen an animal. Do you know what I mean? He always went for Kimuras. Kimuras, yeah. And that was that shoulder and stuff. Got them through sheer brute force. Yeah, so about five weeks later, I got a cortisone injection and did. And about okay. four days later, I remember getting the cortisone injection. And I was pain free. I was like, literally could lift my hand and all again and an arm. And Mindy was swinging off my arm and Kimuras, and it was great. And then Just masking it more. Yeah, all masking any sort of damage could have been done. It yeah. was, it was, it was, um, it was dead. It was basically numbing the pain, but it was turning the tendon at the same time, um, which wasn't good. And then about a week before, I remember going to myself, I can barely lift this arm again. Not nothing to do with the injury in the fight because I didn't feel it. Yeah, you know. But 
it was there. Um, and then I, I went in and uh, God, I, I'm going to ask somebody in my head, I don't know who that fellow is, but I'm sure Samuel Kieran somebody. I can't remember. I remember. I remember. I could probably. But he'd done a good job. He'd done what he had to do. Was just take me down and hold me down, and I couldn't get back up. And I'm mm. on the belt. And then I just remember, and I said this to Troy before because it was the same look in Troy's face when he lost his belt, and Clear he realised he was hurt. It was just you. Whenever you're getting the other, the other boys getting his hand raised, they're taking your belt off you. They're putting it on him, and you realise. My shoulders fucked. Yeah, that's a bit when pain arrives. That's when it that's sets, that's sets in. All kicks in, and I seen the same thing in Troy's face that time. He, he ripped the knee mm-hmm. and got his in the second round. because I, rem- I remember seeing exactly the moment his knee gave out on him. It was horrible, and I thought his knees fucked. I know. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how badly injured he was at the time. I, when my angle was, I couldn't see it, and he came back and says, "Yeah, my knee's really sore," and I was like. You'll be all right. You can get through this. You can get through this. And then when I saw the video of it actually giving way. Uh, you were like, no, I don't know how he made it through that. I don't know how he even got out of that round. Cool. Never mind. Can't hold on. Can't hold on. There you it. go. There you go, mate. Well done. Sorry, I had to cheat there and use topology. It wasn't off the top of my head, sorry. Nah, you, you should have hidden that. Ah, yeah, hon- hon- Honesty is the best policy. So taking, taking that into consideration and then taking a little bit of time away and then coming back at middleweight yeah. and against Tag, De- Tag Dixon, who's yeah. a... Who's a Beast of a human being. Uh-huh. When he was competing, like, he's a scary, mm. scary lad. You know, young, quick, muscular, fast. Yeah. Um, and that was that was at middleweight. It was. That was your first sort of foray. For, yeah. And in, into middleweight, w- was that your choice? Was that something that you you did collaboratively with your coaches, or what prompted that? Uh, it was pro- more or less my choice. So it was. I was mm-hmm. just sick of. At this time, I didn't have any nutritionist. You know, I didn't have Aaron Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um. I wasn't really doing any strength and conditioning, to be honest. I was just, I just didn't want to be, whenever I was making water weight, I was basically starving myself, taking carbs out weeks and weeks and weeks before, mm-hmm. nearly, not starving yourself, but eating dry chicken and stuff. Yeah. You know, just, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I, th- I said, I remember saying to Paul at the time, I'm not going back to water weight, I've had enough of water weight. And then it came about for the middleweight one. And instead of me doing what I'm doing now, at this age, and doing a strength and conditioning mm-hmm. program and mm-hmm. getting nutrition on board and, and doing things right. I just went, ah, I'll just pretty much eat what I want here and keep a wee bit of wraps on it, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't even do it right. But, I mean, I, and going into that fight, I felt I felt good, you know. Um, Tag was, I don't know what belt he was in grappling, but I was expecting, I knew his ground game was pretty solid. I just mm-hmm. thought mine was better. I, I, just, I just did. That I thought with him being so tall and the reach, that was the thing I had to worry about. Yeah. Um, it was my striking, and I was prepared for a sort of a striking battle, and it ended up just he, he took it straight to the ground, and it was just a, a grappling match for three rounds. And he was his ground game was shockingly good. Yeah, yeah, very very dominant top game. Yeah, yeah. he was and very st- deceptively strong. Yeah, he is. You know, because yeah. he was you know he's he was wiry looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he just had that you know. They had the grappling strength that comes from somebody who's grappled from a very young age, just that natural kind of grip strength that you see that in grapplers. Natural ability to use weight correctly, more yeah, than distribute anything. the weight, yeah, 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 yeah. To use weight more than anything, because obviously anybody who's ever trained with you knows how physically powerful you are, and it's mm-hmm. one of the. I make this sort of comparison all the time about how powerful you really are, either whether that be striking or or in grappling, and not to be able to shift somebody like that. 
yeah. you can tell that obviously that person's really using their weight correctly, using the, the principles of leverage, but everybody should be trying to, to work more with grappling. And that was a tough, tough fight. But again, it's your first move up the middleweight. Yeah. And I think that you looked healthier then, and I think you're healthier now at middleweight than you definitely were at welterweight. I thought you were starving yourself too much for oh, welterweight. Man, it was just depleted. In fact, I don't even know how I done it. Mm. Do you know, there was times it was carried onto the scales and made weight, and then you're still trying to rehydrate yeah, at night, and fuck, it was wild. So we talked about uh, you know your success at welterweight. You touched on it there. I think you had eight finishes at welterweight. Um, yeah. Four rear naked chokes and four TKOs, all all very early, like. Yeah. So it, w- it was proven there that you were capable at that weight. Yeah. How, how did you feel competing at that weight when you were in there? Um, I, no, I felt, I felt good. I, I didn't know any better. So yeah. I didn't know any better. I just thought that was the way it was meant to be. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I always felt good, as I said before. I mean, I'm not a, a good technical fighter. You know, I don't look a, like a boxer or a good, good stand-up or... You know, my jiu-jitsu, you know, it's not, like, fantastic. You, you do yourself with a service there. Yeah, a lot of You the do service. yourself with a service because, you, you know, you're, you're a very competent boxer, and I know that from having sparred with you. You're a very frustrating person to spar. I'm more awkward. I'm very awkward. You're, you're unorthodox, but that, that's, that's not to say that, you know, you're not a good boxer. Yeah. It's just, you're, if anything, that you're difficult to hit, and you throw punches from weird angles. I probably couldn't pull that off in a fight, am not it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you four finishes with your hands, like? So. Well, that's true. Well, it don't look good doing it, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, I, seen, I haven't really watched the fight back from the weekend there, mm-hmm. but I know my hands were down, mm-hmm. and my, my mouth's open all the time, which drives me nuts, you know, mm-hmm. any foot picture I see, and I know I do it in here sparring too, my mouth's always lying open. Mm-hmm. I look like I'm gasping for air, but uh, it's just the way But what's this... You know, we, we've talked about it before. What, what you do in training and what you do in a fight are oftentimes two very different things. You're not the fighter in the gym that you are in a fight because you revert to type, you revert to the basics. Yeah. You know, you, you, we've had guys in here that are fucking, you know, they look like world beaters when they're training, they look like world beaters when they're sparring, but um, when, they get, when they get in there, they're just like one, one example of that. For, like, do you remember Bartek? Or Bartek? Oh, yeah. 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 Bartek, uh, fantastic striker. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic striker, great pressure. Um, immensely fit, dude. Immensely well, fit, yeah. Fit, the vegan assassin. Vegan, yeah. Uh, that's right. He, uh, he competed in Clam Wars, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, he just didn't get going, and he just didn't show the mark of the fighter that he was in the gym. Um, and that's not to say that he was a bad fighter by any stretch of the imagination. He's a fantastic training partner, fantastic mm-hmm. fighter. Yeah. Just for whatever reason, it could have been nerves or it could have been the occasion, just didn't put it together on the night. So, as I say, what you, what you do in the gym and what you do in the cage and competition um, are oftentimes two very different things. Uh, definitely, so man. It's not, to, it's not to get into your own head. Yeah, you know, something that I want to master. You know, and, and do a yeah. bit of better things, mm-hmm. just experience and being more active. That's it, yeah. Do it. I know I'm creeping on here age wise as well, so. I don't really, like, you're, like, I think you're two years younger than me, or, yeah. So, I mean, I don't really view age as such a massive factor in, in competition. It's more miles on the clock, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. think, that, you know, you can have a guy who's in his early 20s or maybe, you know, late 20s who's had maybe 15, 20 fights but has taken 15 or 20 tough fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that will maybe put, as Phil rightly pointed out, more miles on the clock than somebody like you who, who genuinely does really take good care of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that obviously will keep you, be able, you know, being able to perform at a much better 
rate for a lot longer. You look at some of the guys you have competed on. Um, you look at Diego Sanchez. Sanchez, serious, from the first serious miles on the clock. The only know, guy from the first season of the Ultimate, Ultimate Fighters to, to still be competing. You look at Dan Henderson, another guy, a life of wrestling. Daniel Cormier, a life of wrestling, and then life of mixed martial arts. Basically, two different careers, but all spanning combat sports. All very, very difficult times. All very, very physically and mentally challenging. But they're still there at the top of their game. Obviously, Henderson's retired, but finished at what 46, 47. Mm-hmm. You know, know, still at the height of his game. Finished on a world title. Finished shot. on a world title shot. Yeah, which most people, well, a good lot of people think he won. I didn't think he won that fight. No, I don't mean, think Bisping won that fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was still, again, very, very tough fight. So I don't really make age too much of a factor or a barrier. Um, you, you, you've touched on the, the fact that you're training with a guy called Aaron Wallace, a former fighter as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to get him on the show. Aaron's interesting, dude. Yeah. Um, but uh, now, now, well, now becoming one of the one of the premier referees on the island. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. so he is. Yeah. So multifaceted, former fighter, mm-hmm. former Irish national champion. Mm-hmm. You know, Plotted strength and conditioning coach and a fantastic referee in his own right as well. Yeah, and you are now working with Aaron for a lot of your strength and conditioning. Is Aaron helping you out with nutrition as well? He is, yeah. Pretty much everything, yeah. You want to tell us more about what Aaron's helping you with, with as far as nutrition goes? What did, what did he change, especially with nutrition? Pot well, noodles in Carlsberg? Is that out of the diet? Pot noodles in Carlsberg is not out of the diet. <laughs> no! Really? That was the that was the key mm-hmm. for for middleweight. Better protein, better, better protein powder in the pot noodle. Oh. Better protein powder instead of soy sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Mix her up and away you go two times of cars, but <laughs> rehydrate. Um, no, he's like I, I I still I'm still learning every day with him. I mean he's doing like a lean bulk thing at the minute now, and he's going right mm-hmm. up. He wants to get as big as he can and as lean as he can at the minute, and it's yeah. just fascinating mm-hmm. hearing. Nutrition ways because something that's constantly evolving, it yeah. is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and not everybody's point of view is the same about it, you exactly. Know? Yeah, but um, I mean, even coming up to the fights, are I mean, because I was so used to taking my carbs out, and fighters are so used to taking carbs out, mm-hmm. you know, I was still having meals and uh, carbs and stuff right up until and I was still taking oats right up until I started. Um, cut my water out the day before yeah. so I'm still carving up and I didn't even have to have a bath or a sauna or anything I woke up oh, really? bang on weight yeah. that's absolutely perfect I woke up bang on weight and I kept saying to him that week are you sure like, I shouldn't be taking any carbs this week at all and he just says Look, listen trust me and I says, well, mm. on your head, be it. Yeah, because if you come in like four kilos over your dead walls. Yeah. It's like fucking witchcraft, isn't it? But I then, know what, it was. What, it's a science. Like, so were you carb cycling, carb backloading? What were you doing? Were you st- obviously, you said you're having oats in the morning, so you were you were kicking off the day basically with oats. So you were well, having then carbohydrates in the morning. What I do just from different listening to different yes, with YouTube and podcasts and mm-hmm. everything. So I've been intermittent fasting now for yeah, uh, but. Two years, a year and a half. What, two what's years. your cycle on that? Are you doing this? 16, 16 and 8. Yeah. yeah. So, because I'd always just, just basically because it suited me. Yeah. You know, if I'm in here training um, till 8 o'clock, half 8, I'm not getting home to 9, maybe having my dinner half 9, but time to get a couple of bits and pieces done, maybe 10 o'clock. So, that's my cut off there from eating at 10 o'clock right through to 2 mm. the next day. And then I'll have my first meal, which just. Um, Obviously, coming up the fight week, you know, consists of um, my chicken breast, my greens, and uh, half a bag of rice, you know, mm-hmm. for my first meal just to get that going. Then I'll have 70 grams of oats um, just before training, about four, half four with him, 
uh, with nut butter, 40 grams of nut butter, uh, scoop of protein with just a bit of water, mix it up. You know, mm -hmm. that's lovely. You know, just like a dessert, pre uh, pre weights or strength and conditioning. Yeah. Then I'll come to here. I'll have uh, my training session here. I'll go home at night time, about half nine, and have pretty much the same again: chicken breast, greens, rice noodles, or, or rice. Mm -hmm. Um, and then before we go to bed, 250 grams of Greek yogurt, nut butter, and a bit of skinny sauce just for taste. Mm. And that's your slow release protein through the night. Yeah. And just sort of repeat that and alternate it round between uh, bits and pieces, fish and, and rice. Is that something you find that can be. Because I remember when I was fighting, I, I, used, to, I used to fucking kill myself. Uh -huh. Like to make 66. And I should now, like, look at my frame you now. I should, ne never I should be never be making 66. Yep. So I was I was killing myself and I was cutting nearly carbs out maybe six weeks before a fight. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? And it's, it's, just not, it's just not sustainable. Do you find now, with the diet you're on, do you find that that's something that's sustainable out of camp as well? Because what used to happen to me is, in between fights, I'd fucking blow it up. And yeah. I, would, I would eat absolutely everything and then have to try and start that process again of killing myself. So the diet you're on now, is that sustainable in between camp? Obviously indulging a little bit more yeah. than you would not being as strict, but that healthy eating, that healthy kind of plan. Uh, well, it suits me in regards to during the day there. I'll have the same. I'll, do, I'll just keep my intermittent fasting going, yeah. you know, and then I'll have my, my chicken and rice. Broccoli, all right, I'll have maybe... Put a bit of greens in, like Aye. you know, I'll have a bit of chicken and rice and stuff like that there during the day, just because it's easy. Yeah, you know, it's convenient. Two, two chicken breasts in the slow cooker overnight. You wake up, it's done. Half a bag of rice in the microwave, mm. put it in, and that's your lunch. You yeah. know, um, and then obviously meals too, just to, for training and stuff like that there too, because it's nice. It's not like it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. it's not like yeah, it's not like you're basically eating baby food or anything. Yeah. Some so, vile. I mean, all right. Now that I'm not in fight camp, I'll go home and maybe instead of having chicken and rice, you know, maybe have. Steak maybe once a week, or I'll have yeah. you know something something quite nice, and maybe sweet potato fries or something, or sweet potato mash or Nando's or something like that. There, and it's still clean, but not yeah strict, um, not yeah. as strict. My downfall now, I'll be totally honest, is beer. I'm exactly the same. Mate. I think we're all on the same. It's boat not there. food with me. It's not food at all. It's, it's a wonderful substance, so that's a problem. That's but you the, see, like that's we, the thing. we've 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 talked about it before. It's, you see, if mm -hmm. at late night is when I would get a lot of my paperwork done, a lot of my research yep. done. For, for shows and you have you know running a business you know uh -huh. that's when you would you would get most of your paperwork done mm -hmm. next thing you know if you're sitting with a couple of beers mm -hmm. next thing you know you're you're four or five deep mm -hmm. and it's just it happens so easily mm -hmm. so easy so having to cut that out like and it's difficult it's an enjoyable time because beer, <laughs> beer's lovely like but it is we, we had this discussion you said like you do a lot of your planning and preparation for your upcoming shows where you you have to do a lot of research like there's no other way around yeah, yeah. it you have to research and I do a lot of my planning and, and plotting for different things for the podcast mainly for mm -hmm. other elements training of coaching sessions, for yeah. training sessions I do all that late at night while watching nerdy podcasts and stuff on YouTube and as you say the next thing you know you've drank four beers and you're going I didn't need those calories and no no you know, I didn't need that but and I've got, I've got, I've got in the IPAs recently as well, like proper oh. hipster beers, oh, and the calories are hanging out of them, like they're delicious. Yes, but that's uh, yeah, they're deep, deep in calories. Like fucking grapefruit and pomegranate IPA. That's oh, really? Oh, six point eight percent. Lovely. Oh, dear. 
Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I think Bud Light's what about 180 calories, 200 calories, say a ten. That's 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 when you know it's get when you when you're weighing up what you're going to have because of the <laughs> yeah. calories. You're sit you're sitting in the island Asda and you've got like your food tracker and you're like oh, Peroni. Yeah. Uh, does it Peroni gluten free? I I, I putting I, that into my fitness pal. I could have six of them as opposed to maybe four cores light. Mm-hmm. That's bad crack, but yeah, it's, it's something we all do and. It makes the paperwork easier too. It does, it makes I. it a wee bit more enjoyable. I get a wee bit more creative. Stick I start coming off with one-liners and all that I'm, that <laughs> really? I'm just putting down, just I think, hmm, could maybe use that later. Stick, like, stick a wee podcast on or something and listen to it in the background, a couple of beers, yeah. paperwork. That's oh. it. There was, I was um, even just like listening to a podcast. Like I, I live on my own, so a lot of the time if I'm, if I'm listening to a podcast and I don't need the lights on, the lights won't mm. be on. So I was sitting in the dark, just listening to Joe Rogan, having four beers, and my ma called in. And she was worried, like, so she walked in, and as far as she could see, I was just sitting in the dark on my own. With earphones in, in with, the with headphones in, having a couple of beers. So oh. she, she had a wee intervention, and I tried to explain to her what the crack was. But we digress, we digress, sorry. As I like to ask everyone we have on about how they became involved in mixed martial arts, because no, no, no two stories are alike, and that's something I find absolutely fascinating. You, by your own admission, sort of got involved with mixed martial arts a wee bit later. Than yeah. a lot of people. So how did that come about? Um, I was 28 at the time, um, and I was always sort of watching the UFCs. Me and what's the first UFC you remember watching? Back in the day, yeah, it was one of the first ones because my mate actually worked in. Do you remember our price? No, well, it's I, remember, I remember. I remember. I'm considerably younger than both these legs. You're trying to remember our price. <laughs> have to remember our price. It was, it was like CDs, videos. The Abbey Center. It was like a um, shit version of Virgin Megastar. Shit <laughs> version of Virgin. That's exactly yeah. what it was. And the mate, um, he in school actually, right. he worked in it part time, and we sticky fingers with a stole an IFHS to you know, and then he would have sold it, and then we passed it round, and we watched it in school. Um, so that's the first ones that I remember. Obviously, they're Hoist Gracie and all them. Yeah, you know, yeah, Ken Shamrock and all them boys. Um, and then, obviously, it went away. I did, I did yeah, because it got banned from cable television. Yeah, yeah that's it, right. It came away. And then back on the Spike TV. Bravo. Uh, sorry, Bravo. Bravo, sorry, Bravo yeah. Spike, Spike, Spike in the States, aye. And it was, yeah. it was Bravo because it was pre-recorded. And you that's watched right. it on a Sunday. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And you knew how, how quick the fights were going to go. By, by the how long the, the broadcast program. was. If, yep. there was, if there was maybe, if you got to the main event and there was maybe five minutes left in the yeah. broadcast, the US is going to end quickly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I was actually, I was living with my mum's at the time. Still hadn't even moved out. And then me and, the, me and the missus actually rented an apartment for a year before we moved in together. So I was in my mum's and it started coming on Bravo again. And then the mate used to wait the, what was it every month or every two months or something mm-hmm. used to be Aye. wouldn't um, be you, you've, you're, we're kind of spoiled now we have one nearly, know, every, nearly week. every week it, yeah it literally is one every if you, if you obviously most people are massive UFC fans we're all UFC fans uh-huh. but then you have Bellator you have one you have Brave you have right. all these other shows and then you have lots and lots of local shows we are actually really spoiled with everything it's getting yeah. hard to keep up as it, an it, MMA I, fan it's getting hard to keep up because I've I watched Watched the card at the weekend there, uh-huh. uh, the UFC card, and I watched the prelims. Mm. I didn't know one fucker on it. Is that right? And I'm usually, I'm you know, back maybe even a couple of years ago, I would have known everybody like from, yeah, from the prelims. Like Normally you're just running them off. Aye, it's crazy. Like, but that just speaks to the, sort of the, the depth. depth. No, I have talent. I think the UFC has over 500 fighters on contract. It's crazy. 
That's, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So it is. But I hadn't even watched that UFC from the weekend, actually. It's so worth that. watching. Oh, we were busy. Yeah. Like, you had stuff yeah, going on at the weekend, didn't you? Dead man had a fight there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that. The first one on Bravo, what's like? So we all kind of we all kind of became aware of the first UFCs and how this wee lad of pyjamas was choking everybody out. Yeah. The uh, first UFC on Bravo, what sticks out for you? Uh, Chuck, Chuck and Tito. Chuck and Tito, yes. Chuck oh. and Tito. Um, I actually had a Tito fest there back whenever it was actually... Do you have a punishment out. vest, did you? Oh, uh, that was later on. That was a tough... I oh, think right, right, right. Tough fest. I had Season that three, yeah. Too, yeah. Um, but then I moved out of my mum's, I remember. And then, remember Bebo? Oh, I. I'm aware of it, yeah. I never had one. Never had I, Bebo, oh, I remember yeah. Bebo. Oh, I, I had a Bebo page. And I, I, in fact, if I could get it up, it was like, just back it. I'm into this uh, thing, UFC, really into it. No, that was my, mm-hmm. the Bebo page. I like, <laughs> never first moved out and bought a laptop. Bebo. Um, and then just, just watched it every time it was on me and the mate Lee. Every time it was on, he came round to my house and we just watched it. He mm-hmm. wasn't allowed to watch it in his house, so he came round to my house. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to watch it. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to watch it in his house. He got into trouble, so we used to sneak around at two o'clock in the morning, and then we used to watch it. And then from that, I always said to her, "Geez, I'd love to do that there. Really, really love to do it. He would love to do it." And I went up to Davies Patterson's mm-hmm. EFR. EFR loads yeah. need back to Patterson. That's uh-huh. every 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 oh, podcast yeah. we've had. Davy Patterson has come up. I remember training with Davey like literally like at the genesis of MMA like literally Davey was coming down to another gym we used to train it and we were all training together at that literal genesis of what MMA was like the gene uh-huh. my first experience of training was with Davey Patterson mm-hmm. it was once a week in Lauren Leisure Centre there you go right? yeah, yep, everything leads back to, mm-hmm. to Davey Patterson like, it is it <laughs> was I'll tell you exactly when it was it was UFC 100 and Santanta Sports, do you remember uh, Santanta? Yes, that's was right, on. the Irish channel. I just went down, frightened. And it was, it was on ESPN. Uh, they put it on, well... We it was on about three different channels, you had to skip between the three of yeah, them, depending well, on what was going on. Santanta went down, like, mm-hmm. the week before that fight card, and it was, like, the biggest fight card, mm-hmm. GSP, Brock... Frank, Frank Mayer, Mayer, Brock Lesnar, oh. Michael Bisping, Dan Henderson, Dan Henderson yeah. uh, GSP, uh, Tiago Alves. Alves. That's yeah. right, yeah. Steph, uh, John Jones fought Stephen Bonner. Was it John Jones for Stephen Bonner? Mark Coleman was on it as well, I think. It was stacked. It was yeah. like the biggest card. It was the return of Coleman, wasn't it? That was like the Coleman came back at UFC 93 in Dublin yeah. against Shogun. That's, that's right. right. Mm-hmm. Was he was close to winning that, that too. He was uh-huh. very close to winning, yeah. I think. That was brilliant. So me and, her, me and the wife, she had a sandwich shop at the time, and I said, Look, listen, we're going to Vegas on Saturday. And we booked Vegas like three days before because there was no sign of it. Mm-hmm going to be put on the TV yeah, yeah, they yeah. brought it out on I think ESPN uh-huh. but we flew over and it was the first time I had ever seen MMA fans I didn't know like you were at, I didn't know you were at UFC 100 yeah I've got a big thing house I'll have to show you the that's the story mate, mate, that's part of history like yeah. oh man it was unbelievable like we got in Dick Scalibur and it was just seas and seas I go back back when whenever mm. you never seen tap out t-shirts or anything uh-huh. like that really and it was just loads of people Friday first fan expo as well me and her yeah, went, yeah, me and yeah. my wife went to and it was like, it was just I was in my element and I came home and I says to in fact I told the white lie I was sitting watching it with a guy and he goes do you do MMA and I says oh I yeah <laughs> yeah I do it laughed through my teeth I didn't do it it was half cut it was full I was drunk so you're thinking here I've lied about this I oh, kind of oh, need shit. to fucking no. So we went to the expo, uh, we didn't have tickets or anything, and then... Who, did you bump in any characters there? Did you bump in any? Loads, mate. I've loads of pictures from back in the day. There's a, it's a big, massive plaque in the mm. bar I've got with a wee LCD TV with a programme, the T-shirt, like who, all who the did, fighters. Who did you fall in with? 
in the expo, loads of ones. Rashad. Mm-hmm. In fact, my first profile picture on Facebook was Rashad Evans, me and Rashad. It's not you and the wife now? No, it's not me and the wife now. <laughs> 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 uh, me and Sugar Rashad, Forrest Griffin, um, Andre Lasky. Um, oh, Jesus, there's just so many, so there was. That's class. BJ Penn. Uh, I could load some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you were just walking past the steakhouses in Mandalay Bay and mm. like chop a tail sit and have a steak and it was weird it's just so surreal for me yeah. in a way like, just a complete like you're used to seeing these people on TV and then yeah. I think when you see them and you realise here they're fucking real people they actually exist uh-huh. this person's a real person and I don't really get starstruck or anything like uh-huh. I've already been to UFC 72 in Belfast in Belfast the yeah, that in the SSE well, obviously 72 was before 100 like but that's um, good math, mate. Well done. I know. I'm just thinking I said that. <laughs> good with numbers, that boy. But you know who got me the, the best? You know, we Joe, uh, what do you call on the, the arm bars? No, he was tough. Lorenzo or Joe Lorenzo, is it? Joe Stevenson? No. Lozon. Joe Lozon. Yeah. Joe Lozon. Yeah. He was just the blood battles every time he fought. He was brilliant. Oh. He was a midget. He just walked past me with his wee backpack on. Like, you know, shuffling through Mandalay Bay, and here's me, is it or isn't it? And it was. He just stopped and he's, he's, still, he's fighting at the weekend. No. Is he? Is he? Yeah. He's still active. He was brilliant. Oh, he right. needs to retire. So we've done that, sorry, we've done that UFC 100. We came back, it was the summer um, uh-huh. holidays and it was roasting. And the, the wife's actually went to Peter Wilson's kickboxing class, a kickboxing exercise class. Mm-hmm. Peter Wilson, brilliant coach. Peter oh, he's brilliant. Real, Peter's brilliant, just like an old school sort of, mm-hmm. doesn't take any shit. Tough as fuck. You know, he's very tough dude. Tough. Um, it was you and him doing my corner actually with your own Kimmy. Yeah, it was, yeah. That's right. So it was. Um, so she went to it and she came back and so, so it, was, oh, it was really, really good. And I told him that you wanted to do that. UFC, she called it. And he says, just come on up. So I did. I went on up mm. and done a wee bit of training up there with Davey. And Who was floating about at EFR at that time? Uh, good question, mate. Because the first night I went up with a wee, no MMA shorts or anything. It was just like a pair of combat uh, shorts roasting. The heaters were on. Do you remember the, mm-hmm. the overhead like heaters? Uh-huh. Readers above the mats. And it was sweltering, and I went in and wasn't fit. And there was a load of guys. I don't know. No way everybody sort of came from everywhere from mm. Davies, and nobody yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. knew who you were. I got emptied the first night. I just got beat stupid. These boys were going to fight somewhere and mm-hmm. just ragdolled, like, you know. And Maybe also but, testing your metal a wee bit. But I loved yeah, it. Yeah, see if we're going to come back or not. I really loved that. And I kept going back and kept going back, and then unfortunately I broke my ribs. Not even in the MMA, just outside. Yeah. Um, broke my ribs, and then that sort of put me out. Uh, of any, anything really till it was uh, Christmas time and I got a leaflet through the door for IFS and went on the website and googled it and I checked it out and seen where it was and drove past and there was a wee window and you were in the old old club no I wasn't no, no I my first time because I was, I was with the bow ring then at yeah. at, at, um, at Clabs due to, due to unfortunate circumstances but I was around in the old gym on Dorgan was the first one I was part of. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. I thought I thought you were up in Antrim. No, just no. I've been such a presence in your life that it just no, feels no, that it way, mate. It feels longer. <laughs> so I, I drove past there, looked in the window, seen the, oh, the wee octagon, remember the wee one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking many beating them there. And I just rung the mate, because obviously Davies, I mean, it's great gym and all, but it's a wee mobile, you know, a yeah. couple of mats down, mm-hmm. and yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. where you went was the same. And whenever I seen a cage, I was like, holy shit. They have an octagon in there, and I don't believe this. And I remember ringing the mate from outside, outside, mm-hmm. Christmas, and I'm going, mate, I'm in this new place, and they have a fucking cage in the back of it. Mm-hmm. They've got an actual cage. And then I sent Paul uh, an email, and he said to come down, and 
the rest is history then from January. I started back in, the, in January and he blasted me for about three weeks with cardio mm-hmm. to see if you were going to stay. Mm-hmm. And, and who, would been, who would have been kicking about? Who would have been sort of the, the senior heads you'd be looking at there? Going in the new gym's intimidating. Going no, in the, it was very intimidating, mate. They were doing Crab McGall stuff. Chris was doing the Crab McGall yeah. at the same time. Um, and then half of it was MMA. Well, I'll tell you who it was. I mean, Mervyn all wasn't in it then. It was just uh, Stevie Owens. Yep. Stevie Owens. Stevie was Owens. There. You forget Brilliant. how young Stevie Owens is because he's just been so ever present. He's now absolutely tearing lumps out of boys in the grappling scene, yeah. competition grappling scene. Well. Yeah. He's legit too. I mean, that man there. I mean, he. It was him and, and Joe Frey, really. Uh, John Morrison mm-hmm. uh, was the three really just competing at that time. Another fella, George. Um, not a hell of a lot of fighters, quite small, mm-hmm. small, small club. Uh, the Western brothers were there. Yep. Graham, Guy Western. Who else can you remember was running about, or was that kind of the core group of guys? It was kind of the core. Lo- loads of be- beginners and stuff, and, and guys just starting to come from different backgrounds, you uh-huh. know, from kickboxing or boxing, a wee bit of wrestling and stuff then too. But they were the main sort of the main ones that were competing, maybe first couple of fights. And did anybody start training in and around the same time as you that kind of progressed with you and maybe still kicking around today? Uh, well, Steve-O, Stevie Owens was mm. just, just before me. Oh, really? Um, not, not long before uh-huh. me. Um, I think he was in the... We had a gym before that, which was just a wee tiny place in Nicolon. Um But it was always Steve-O. I was sort of coming up through and, mm-hmm. and going, you know, to his fights and uh, Joe left and went travelling around the world and stuff to get there. Um, Think, is there anybody? I don't think there's been anybody that stayed. Mm. You know, people come and go. You see, yeah, that of course. Yeah. I think people miss that about a gym. Um, but all all gym environments, whether it just be your local weightlifting club or whatever, it's yeah. a cyclical nature of humans that goes through there. People get injured, people get hurt, people get pissed off, people fall out, and they just move on. That, I think yeah. you're probably now the longest serving member of IFS. You'd have um, to be well, like, competing. Yeah, you'd have sure. to be. Yeah. Well, groups, groups have a way of, what's it called? I, can I think I've mentioned it before. Um, the forming, storming, norming stages. Mm-hmm. So a group forms. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your group of people, it, storm, it forms. And then initially it forms and then it storms where everybody kind of readdresses their place and sort of balance. Mm-hmm. And then it norms, it kind of levels out. And that can happen every couple of years or yeah. every, every couple, even every couple of months. And, like, and it happens in every dynamic, a gym, uh, a workplace, mm-hmm. a, a pub. I suppose so, that even in my very short time, obviously helping out coaching here, I've seen a vast change of people in here. Mm-hmm. But you always have your constants. Yeah. You always yeah. you always have your get like yourself guys like uh, Dave Hill. Dave Hill. Dave. Yeah. You, you know, um, criminally some, underrated fighter. A yeah. Criminally underrated fighter. Without so, a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Dave's doing brilliant. He's he's going pro. He's, isn't he? I fucking hope so. So do I. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what more does he have to... Is, uh, what does he have to achieve? F- three three belts. Mm-hmm. Three belts at amateur. Tournament. Um, yeah, one, so a belt down south, Clan Wars belt, and mm-hmm. then went over to a four-man tournament in Wales and won that. There's very, there's very little else for him to do no. as an amateur. That's wrestling, so unreal. You see with him and Peter there. Leaps and bounds, mm-hmm. man. Going out to Bali was great. He went to Bali MMA, and that was great yeah. for him too. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, that has to be his next step. Has mm-hmm. to be a next step. It's the next logical progression. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about your first fight? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Um, Tell me about it. Uh, I can't even remember. Well, I can't remember what weight it was. It was a heavy sort of weight. We didn't cut weight or anything. Yeah. Um, I remember just going into the Ulster Hall, 
just being really, really overwhelmed, you know, with it just being the Ulster Hall, and I couldn't believe it was happening. And it, as I said before, I just remember coming out so, so nervous, so nervous. I never felt nervous like it in my life. In fact, my dad came up to see me and I started shouting, get him out, get him out of here. And you know what my dad's like? <laughs> but um, came out, uh, Colin Dunn was doing my corner at the time. You're up, you came out of the Ulster Hall there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very top. Your biggest fear is fucking falling. Falling. I know, steps. Yeah. steps is wild. You have to walk sort of down sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming on down. Um, do you know what? That see that fight I had at the weekend reminds me so much of my debut. What are the similarities? Um, blowing out my ass, blowing out my ass, and you know, punching and punching and punching and thinking, oh, this is going to get stopped. This is I've got him, I've got him. Do you know that adrenaline that you get in where you think, oh, this is it now. He's gone, he's gone, and then. He's not going, <laughs> and you have to go back to your corner, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's scary!" Round. Like it's an awful round. place to be. You feel like your lungs are going to fall out of yours. Mm-hmm. But again, I remember going back in the, into my corner of that fight, the same as the weekend, identical to it, uh-huh. um, and going, "Only you were there, Andy, and, and you, know, you and Peter were, were bringing me round." And I was thinking to myself, "Fuck, I don't know if I've gotten all around." And me, you know, because the second round. I was just following him around constantly. I don't, I don't think I stopped sort of trying to punch him in the face, to be honest. No, it was one of the more, like, as, as Phil pointed out, like, it, as far as that fight goes for entertainment value, like, it literally didn't stop. The pace was frightening. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it didn't stop at all. And as I say, a couple of times, I seen his eyes going and I heard the thuds and I thought he was going to give in, and he didn't. He had no mm-hmm. quit in him at all. And it was the same as Curtis. I remember Curtis. Um, he was wriggling as well and got out and, and went back into the next round and I remember Ray um, interviewing me after that there and again like, I could hardly breathe um, and he says did you think you looked up at the referee which again was Daki Larkin um, do you think it should have been stopped and I says no I don't think it should have been stopped you know same way I don't think that mm. one should have been yep. stopped at the yeah. weekend so there's, there's been, quite a few parallels there isn't there I mean that's what I'm saying it was that's very, freaky like it was so so much like it it was mm. unbelievable and um, I said, it's on YouTube, I think. I says, no, I just wanted it to be stopped. <laughs> you know, and you even see Dawn, his wife, you know, laughing in the, in the background. Everybody burst out laughing mm-hmm. whenever I says, no, I don't think it should have been stopped, but I just wanted it to be stopped. Mm-hmm. Same way, I just wanted it to be stopped a second, but he just kept on going and going and going. So fair play to that wee man. Like, um, and then up the stairs, just lying, starfished, the same as what it was. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, because I, I mean, I got Birdie Walker to that case. No, on Saturday. but he came around like really, really quickly, like immensely quickly. It wasn't. Yeah. Like, I mean, my own experience, I remember just going and vomiting horrendously after fights, like really feeling great, but just bugging and bugging and bugging for ages. <laughs> so I used but to be up before fights. Really? No. I would, I would empty myself before no. fights. Yeah? Yeah. Even, I would even just retch for a little bit. I don't know if it was like <laughs> some amalgam of, of nerves and, and, and everything, but yeah. it became almost ritualistic. I was like, oh, I haven't had my pre-fight bug. Season yeah. a wee bit, lads. Yeah. I always had a post-fight vomit, mm. like the exorcist. Like I kept expecting somebody to come in and try and fucking splash me with holy water or something. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like, to me, you came, but you came around like really quickly. It wasn't like that. I always felt like shit. I felt good immediately afterwards. Thought it was great. And then when I sat down, I went, "Oh, here it comes." And then I felt fucking horrendous. But you initially felt awful. And like yeah. five minutes later, we're back in the room, like as if nothing had ever happened, as if he could walk out and do it again. I know. 
it's uh, it's just like an adrenaline thing, I think. Yeah. You know, like if you get just missed by a car, you're like, Oof. it just mm, takes it out that of you. feeling, and then you just sort of bring yourself back again. It's, it was also it's the the second time the, the both boys have been. Yeah. At at fights, what does that do to you? How do you do? You have to kind of compartmentalize that and sort of put that in a wee box in your head and put that away. The first time I did, yeah, the, the very first time. That This time wasn't too bad with the boys and the walkout mm-hmm. and, and all the emotions and stuff. It wasn't as bad. Um, and I really enjoyed it, you know, coming out. And mm-hmm. There's actually two wee kids whenever I came out right away. Did you see yeah. the two wee kids to the right-hand side? They're, they're hey, brilliant. Yeah, for something. And mm-hmm. I just leaned over and we fist bumped. Not, we fist bumped mm-hmm. and, and then walked on. So I enjoyed all that and I felt really, really good going, going in. Um, but no, I didn't have to do it this time. I just... I, the last time, I was really emotional. Yeah. You know, not nervous. Because that was the first time. Yeah. I and not, not only that, that was, like, believe it, well, for me, and, and watching you, that was a big fight. There was a huge amount of pressure in that fight. Yeah, I put so much pressure on myself for mm-hmm. that fight. You know, even stuff that I wouldn't normally, you know, I'm not a big, massive Facebook. You know, people are sick of looking at me coming two weeks up to a fight, but, I mean, it's promotion. And, you have to, yeah. You, you know, have to. part and parcel, yeah. You have to do that, you know. Um, but I mean, if people were sick of it, like, and the, the other side of that, if people were sick of it, they're not showing it because they're still going to your fight, you know. Of course. It's not like they're going, oh, fuck, yeah. I'm not putting up with it. They're not. People do want to see that. As I, we pointed out right at the very, very beginning, probably the first sentence of our podcast, uh-huh. is that you're such a popular guy that people don't mind that. And it's, you have to understand it. And we all understand that this is the entertainment business and it's a popularity contest. Yeah. I've said it a hundred times, I've said it another hundred times. You're very entertaining and you're very popular. And that's how the game works. Yeah. So I don't think that there's. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's any sort of bad way of doing that. Well, I'm not a massive Facebook. I don't put my whole life on Facebook. You know. Yeah. Maybe now with Instagram stories and stuff, it's a wee bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as personal. I don't really want to know who Jackie's sleeping with down the road. You know, on Facebook, and you know they are. They're dirty yeah. laundry. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just shit now. Facebook that way. You know. In people regards, live their lives through it. People live their lives yeah. through it. And they're they're, they're their dirty life. laundry. I don't. For no, like for me, that. Facebook's a handy way to keep up with people that you don't live close to and to get tagged in stupid videos. Yeah, yeah pretty much. You know? Dog videos yeah. or cat videos, Aye. stuff like that, social media, anything nice. Uh-huh. And as, I, as you pointed out, it's a way of keeping in contact. Also, it should be a way of promoting stuff like mixed martial arts and promoting podcasting or, mm-hmm. or yeah. people that want to let other people know that they're providing a good service and something that's different and interesting. Yeah. Not, as Jeff pointed out, who your neighbour's bucket. Uh-huh. Exactly. But I mean, I think... So you can usually hear them if you're living close enough. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I'll put it in Facebook for you. Oh, no. No, I think fighters now are realising that you have to sort of do that, you know, regardless of yeah. of how good you are as a fighter. You know, promotions and they don't really, well, there's certainly something to do. You want to see how good a fighter you are, but it really, I mean, even Bellator and stuff now are asking about your Instagram following. Yeah, and, I mean, let's be honest, would Jordy Shore guy get on any other show? Well, I know. If, he simply wouldn't. If he didn't have 300,000 Instagram followers or whatever it is, like, I couldn't care less when the Instagram yeah. followers go. But he wouldn't have got on any show. He's a hateful prick. He's yeah. just hateful. You prick. know, I, I, I got. I've it. never met him, and I'm, 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 I'm making a snap judgment. Mm-hmm. But it, it's more the way in which he's risen to prominence. Like we, we had um, Obi in here, Daniel Lenchek, mm-hmm. uh-huh. who would have wiped the fucking floor with him, yeah. a campaign for a fight with him. Mm-hmm. Magic at one sixty-five at a catchweight yeah. would 
beat the living piss out of him. But these are yeah. the fights that he's never going to have. No, they're, or not not yet, anyway. I mean, I've got to take my hat off to him because money, making money is difficult, and he's, he's made a, a good way of making money. Mm-hmm. But my view on combat sports is if you're good enough to be there, mm-hmm. you're good enough to fight who's there. Yeah. And that was my argument with the Obi-Wan fight same argument with the magic fight if you're good enough to be on Bellator or if you're good enough to be on Bama you fight who's there Yeah. you know especially at that weight but yeah. I mean fair play to him he's doing what he's doing he's making a lot of money but I mean as I pointed out he, he wouldn't be on any of those shows if he didn't have all the Instagram followers no. or swap diseases in some skeggy house <laughs> on TV <laughs> what about this fame fame uh MMA. Oh, fuck. It's a, a brand new celebrity promotion. It's just celebrities fighting MMA. We've got a boy off Geordie Shore and a boy, what was he on? Love Only Island. Love Island, was it? Originally, oh, that's So a boy, boy from Love Island, a boy from Geordie Shore fighting each other in an MMA bout. Neither of them have any experience. They should do it on a rotating platform and the music from Flash Gordon should be playing. Perhaps <laughs> we shouldn't be allowed to do it at all. But do you know what? I've seen one of them uh, doing a wee bit and do you know what? He must mm. have done something because you just don't learn that in a couple of weeks. Mm. So it could be well, how long? How long have they known about it in advance? Yeah, them, I don't believe these things I mean? just spring up over a weekend. No, you know, you, know, you could, this could have been, you know, it's, you can progress a lot in six months. So yeah. they could have known about it about mm-hmm. six months in advance. But I suppose you can make anything look good on Instagram. I don't know. Yeah. Depending on how it's edited, it'll look. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make it look. You can make it look good. We spoke about you having uh, your boys at the fight. I wanted to ask you, how does it feel to not even be your son's favourite fighter? <laughs> <laughs> Who is your son's favourite fighter? I don't know. Who is Henry Corrigan. Oh, I Henry Corrigan. Did you say that? <laughs> how, how did I forget about that? Jesus. No, I know he's a Henry boy. He's a full-on uh, fanboy of Henry. Uh-huh. Um, I, Kalel, he loves Henry, and Henry brought in the belts mm. for him. And do you know what happened? We gave him an Instagram account. Stupidly, um, like he's only nine years old, uh-huh. and somehow he screenshotted one of my stories with Inst- with uh, Henry's tag, you know, username on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like a wee yeah. small circle of, of who he's allowed to follow and blah blah blah. Yep. And he, he followed Henry and was texting Henry. <laughs> <laughs> he was sliding, sliding his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I was texting away Henry, and, and Henry, being the gentleman he is, just didn't tell him to piss off and, yeah. and say that he was going to bring the belts and stuff in, and he did, and he brought them in, and, well, I think I put the video up on Instagram. Yeah, you did, I, you did. Oh, Facebook that's genius. Of, of, did he, well, did you bring the belts? And then he says, no, didn't bring them, and they're in the front seat of the car. Um, so they, they loved it. Um, Henry threw the T-shirt out on Henry the walkout. Threw the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Our T-shirt, your, your yeah. T-shirt, our T-shirt, yeah. Podcast. Then me and him were fighting over the T-shirt the next day. <laughs> um, no, he, he loves Henry, so he does. Aye, yeah. Henry's a good lad. He's just one that picked up his third belt. Yeah, Triple C Henry Corbin. Oh, mm-hmm. He is. I remember having a conversation with him, and it was about a year, maybe slightly longer ago. And I said to him, "Look, this time next year, you're gonna have a belt round your waist." And he was like, I hope so, I hope so. Mm-hmm. Friggin' three of them now. Mm. It looks, and it suits him. He's so confident, he's so talented, it's frightening. He is like the gold standard at the minute. And then for the length of time he's been training. I know. He hasn't been training long at all. No. But I mean, I remember Paul, I mean, whenever I was out and I was doing maybe a wee day here and there, you know, and Paul was always sort of texting me in the background and keeping me in the loop. Yeah. You know, and although I came off Facebook completely because I was getting drunk and trolling people. So <laughs> just being a mouthy oh, hair, right? It was just, man, it was terrible. It just, and people I liked too. It wasn't even like 
people are just like. So are you wake, are here waking up with a fear? The Facebook oh, yeah. fear the next day, like. Yeah, I was waking up at early hours in the morning with the fear going. I've done something online. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I couldn't remember anything. But you just had this feeling of do. Your subconscious just is telling you, you've done something. You've done something. <laughs> and I used to wake up and look at the notifications and go, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm having to delete everything. Deleting folks left, right and centre. Early hours in the morning. So it came off Facebook. The same way sort of Mickey, I'm sure Mickey feels it too. He, he's not really a social media presence no. anymore because when you're not doing it, you don't want to see that because see, yeah, you don't want to see training updates, and it's no. it's not that you're not supportive, and it's not that you don't care about your teammates. It's just that it it's just fucking it's just fucking difficult when yeah, when you're not there, especially yeah. something you love and people you love, you know, uh-huh. and your family, and you don't want to go on. So I haven't been on, and I remember them just starting, and Paul saying to me, "Mate, with these brothers down, and I swear to God, they're just taking everything in like sponges." Mm-hmm. And um, I came down to the old place. A couple of nights in the scene, I think it was uh, Sean at the time was yeah. was balls deep in it, and he was rolling with somebody. And I just remember watching him going, "Jesus, that man is only mm-hmm. down here a couple of months." Mm-hmm. And then obviously James came in, and then Henry came in too, and the three of them just—it's just, pff, it's just yeah. crazy how much how, how quickly how, they how evolved. Again. You know, it, you know it, but all three of them are great. Fair play to Henry. I mean, as last year, that man has grafted. Leaps and bounds. He's grafted. To the grafted. point where people don't believe that he's only been training the length of time yeah, he has. I know. Mm-hmm. But people, I mean, anybody who knows anything looking at them would think that they're they're, they're training longer. I yeah. Mean, there was a thing with Paddy Hooligan backstage yes, one time. Yes, sir. Paddy I was yeah. Sean was fighting. Yeah, he didn't. He yeah. Lost. I, I, Paddy Hulahan's guy, mm-hmm. the, the D24, great gym, mm-hmm. uh, his guy lost yeah. to Sean. Uh, I think Paddy was quizzing Sean about mm-hmm. how long he'd been training, where he'd been training, and just didn't believe that he'd been training like no. the time he had. No, and, I, and which and is a testament to to the work that Sean put in. Exactly, and it's not, it's no slide on Paddy or any one of no, Paddy's I take it as a compliment. Somebody yeah. the caliber of Paddy Hullahan saying exactly, yeah. that you look like you've been training longer than you have. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh, they're just they're outstanding, like, and then um, I mean Henry and me are well, we're, we're all quite close to as you know, but I mean yeah. Henry just. Texts me flat out and messages me flat Aye. out. You know he's a wee gentleman. I look at him like a wee sort of kid brother. Aye, know, a genuinely good lad, like just a valiant, funny good. child, kid brother, slabbering wee bastard too. People don't realise just what a dark wee man he is. Like you know, you know, he, you know all, all smiles and giggles through your feet, and then you'll get a message with just some of the most darkest, <laughs> funniest shit you've heard in your life. But you're like, yeah. Christ, I can't let anybody know you. Like they wouldn't believe me if I said you've no. sent me that. He's but brilliant, funny as fuck, and a, and a genuinely good lad. Yeah, he really good. People like him are brilliant to have around. You need a character like that yeah. in the gym. And if, if there's nobody like that, training sessions can be terribly mundane, especially if it's like drill practice or something like that. But that's you it. Have... You need a bit. You need a bit of banter at training. Yeah. Like I've never been part of the school of thought where it has to be like boot camp. Shouldn't you know what I mean? Because I, I, I come here, yes, to train, yes, to learn, yes, from a fitness, but also there's the social aspect mm-hmm. of it. There's yeah. there's the having having the banter and having crack with people. If you come in and it's you know everything's done with military precision and like and you get shouted at I'm a 31 year old man mm-hmm. you know I don't come here for a man in around the same age as shout me to you. shout at me no. do you know what I mean you come here to learn and grow and foster and an environment fun. of fun, fun. Yeah. yeah so I think that's you know something that, that I think that we have in spades here and mm. guys like Henry contribute to that doesn't definitely mm. yeah. Jeff you did uh, recently a YouTube video well it wasn't recently you did it um, it was released recently um, a YouTube video and it was done by Palooka Media which is Jack and Mel yeah. um, that got <laughs> one of the biggest responses I've seen and I'm sure for you that was a, quite a sharp like stark 
response rate that you were just constant notifications yeah, it went about viral. It, it, yeah. What what was the, the idea behind that? What what prompted you to get involved and do that? It was um, it was actually in here. We were no, I'll tell you when it was. Um, I had my fight lined up, and Daniel was fighting Kiefer. Uh-huh. And it, had, it was just after the sort of stuff they had done for the Kiefer fight and that. And uh, Arn had said to me about, we were just talking about me being out and depression and anxiety, and I think mm-hmm. he had went through a, a bit of it as well. Uh, Jack or... Jack, yeah. Uh, Jack uh, he's very open about it. Yeah, and he's open. It doesn't really take anything. In fact, you know what, it enhances somebody, I think, if they can really talk openly about something like that. For sure, yeah. And again, it was just tongue-in-cheek conversation, mm-hmm. and I was telling him about uh, sort of what I have, was going through, and he was telling me about the same, and we sort of just said um, about coming up to my fight, I said, I would love to have something sort of documented about my fight and maybe something that I had been through to mm-hmm. not only just for the likes of my kids and stuff to pull up maybe later on mm-hmm. in life mm-hmm. and yeah. you know just just for people to sort of maybe talk out about mm-hmm. stuff that at the very least talk about. at the very least start a conversation yeah, that's what I might yeah. start a conversation between people that it would never normally have mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. yeah so it all it all came about that way um, and then we just had started we'd done a wee bit um, coming into the fight a wee bit of training on the mats hitting the weather pads in the cage yeah. and then obviously they were there for the last clan wars and documented bits and pieces of that the fight getting my hands wrapped and then they came up to mine and we done the, the interview which could have been bloody two hours long you know mm. in fact it got a wee bit too deep and maybe a wee bit too dark but obviously a lot of it couldn't go out it was <coughs> 18 minutes and thanks to everybody who watched the 18 minutes because mm-hmm. not everybody has 18 minutes of their day mm-hmm. to watch it but the response was being unreal I mean and for weeks after it came out maybe one o'clock, half one in the morning, I was replying to text messages of people mm. going through bad times and low times and suicidal times. I mean, from everything, to people wanting to commit suicide, to not seeing their kids, and just all different aspects of it. That's a know, huge impact. The, the, re- the reach was, of that video. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant, really, really good. I mean, even on Monday night, somebody who maybe added me or who was at the fight must have went down to my page and restarted it again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting notifications saying that such and such was sharing it and liking yeah. it and commenting on it again, you know, so it brings it back up again. But if it's helped even a couple of people or... If it's helped one person, it's worth one it. Person, one single worth person, it. it's worth it. It's worth it, yeah, surely, because I think people... I think they're talking a wee bit more now, but... Mm-hmm. I think the stigma's being... I'm glad to see, like, the barriers being broken down, for, especially yeah. in the industry that we're in, and we're in a tough industry, don't get me wrong, we hit each other in the face with our pants for money. It's a very, very tough industry. Yeah. Um, and people expect the guys and girls who do this thing to be tough, but everybody has their own problems and everybody has their own struggles. I think seeing a guy like you, who's known for being a, a tough guy, knockout artist, being able to discuss a problem like that, the average yeah. guy or girl who watches that then can go, well, if Jeff has a the ability to talk about that, well, I'm going to talk about it too. Yeah, it's not even, well, obviously it is talking about it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's coming through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because at a certain point in my... It's very easy to get fucking consumed by it. Mate, so easy and... You don't you know, realize, it's like, what, everybody has some sort of experience with it, and you don't realize you're drowning. No. You don't realize no, that you, or you, don't, or you don't realize that you're treading water. It's only when you come out of it when you think, fuck, I was really in trouble there. Mm-hmm. I know. You don't realize it, and then, you know, it's a self medicating part of it, too. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, thankfully, I'm not really into drugs. I'm really, really, um, what's the word, addictive personality. Yeah. When, when regards to pretty much anything that I do, I become obsessed with it, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be. 
drinking, I don't know, gambling or training, training working, or working and making money, business, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, just whatever I do, I become obsessed. With. Thankfully, there was no drugs or anything like that mm -hmm. involved, but people medicating with drink and drugs, mm -hmm. geez, or even prescription drugs, people prescription. that are, are prescribed yeah. these, and because it comes from a doctor, people go, you know what, well, the doctor gave them to me, if one works, two must work better, mm -hmm. three yeah. must work better, and next thing you know, they're in that spiral, and it's very, very difficult mm -hmm. to climb out of. Yeah. For, for me, it was booze. For me, it booze. was because, mm -hmm. it was, and it was more so when I was, I was a youth worker for, for six years, and I was working with, you know, kids that were coming from broken homes. So, as I say, I was working with some of the most vulnerable young people uh, in our communities. So I was I was taking a shitload of work home with me. Mm -hmm. Just the the fucking baggage of it. Yeah. So I was I was finishing work, coming to training, getting the relief from training, but going home and then everything was mm -hmm. I was either doing paperwork or resurfacing. So I was you know I was drinking two pints of a gin. So it was like half a pint half a pint of gin and half a pint of like lemonade or half a pint of orange juice or something. I was necking two of those a night just to fucking get to sleep. Yeah. And at the time I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I thought this was just how mm. I was coping. And I was I wasn't enjoying them, wasn't sipping at them. I was literally downing them. That's what I was doing. Just to get it's myself scary, off to sleep. Like how quickly people could get into that. And it became a normalized <clears throat> behavior. It became something that I was <clears throat> just doing. And it was only when I got out of that, when I got out of that particular profession and I was, you know, able to, to look back at it, you know, retrospectively, <clears throat> I was thinking, fuck me, that's not normal behavior. No. But you don't see the forest for the trees when you're in there. No. Sure, it's tough taking all that home too. And mm -hmm. I don't think you couldn't take that home. I think that you're going to be stuck with something like that. You're, to you're told not. You're t told not to, like you have to compartmentalize it and everything. But you wouldn't be in a caring profession like that if you didn't care enough to, to take it home. Yes, yeah. to think about it. Do you know it what I mean? You but, but you know when you're dealing with that. But I, I, I can empathize and understand 100 percent what you're saying mm -hmm. from trying to you know self-medicate after taking all that. I was going and do, I was going and doing the same thing. Like, you know, I think it was what was more startling was that I wasn't hungover or I wasn't feeling like shit. I was just getting up and going to work and uh -huh. doing it all over again. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean. It became part of my routine. It yeah. became something that I just did. You know, I know I mean, it's I scary was, how quickly people can slip into that. Yeah, it's the same. Only the next day I was dying. Mm -hmm. I was literally well, not dying, like, but I was uh, hanging. I remember sitting in my own suite every morning. Wait, I always woke up in the middle of the night. Uh huh. You know, I never could back, get back to sleep and, and waking up at three o'clock and watching the clock going, oh my God, I have to get up in a couple of hours for work. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was using my own, my own business. It's stressful enough at the best of times. Yeah, of course. hanging with anxiety and mm. not wanting to talk to anybody. And, and anxiety you know, compounded by the fear of a fucking yeah. hangover. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was oh. wild, mate. Absolutely wild. Every morning I sat, I must have been a year or more, I sat going, I'm not doing this today. Cannot do it anymore, mm -hmm. anymore. And then as the day went on, it was like coming to a certain time, three o'clock, and my body's going right. You need to get home. Mm. You need to get home. Turn the phone off, and then just get stuck in again. And that's what I done for you know a long, long time, day after day, and it was tough. But it's definition of insanity. Doing yeah. the same mm -hmm. thing day after day and so expecting different expecting results. different results, we're expecting something to change. Yeah, so if it is people doing it out there and they think that they can't get away from it, you can't. It's mm -hmm. just very, very hard. And How did you break that routine? How did you break that feeling, that cycle? Because um, for me, it was having to fucking leave a job. Yeah, was it? Yep. For me, it was just so. That's another thing why I wanted to do it. I wanted people to know that. Um, I touched on that wee video about one time I was away on holiday. You know that I wanted to jump off a, a sort of roof, and you know, in your lowest moments, the stupid things that you mm, can do. Just these intrusive thoughts that start creeping oh, in. Yeah, the thoughts went through my head. It was cr crazy a lot of times. Um, it, not just that one time. I'm talking like in the past, but that was one of the moments where I. 
it sort of turned around for me because I just remember coming home from that holiday and saying to myself, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. You know, it was such a bad time that mm. week. Um, although I had loads of thoughts like that previously that I never got into in that video, obviously, but that was the one time that I remember coming home and I said to myself, I'm not doing it anymore. And mm. it, didn't, it didn't happen right away, but that was the one time that mm. I remember saying, that's enough. I'm there has to be a change. It has to be a change, you know, mm -hmm. and that was the summer. And then it was this time, around about this time where it started to turn around, because I remember it being Halloween, yeah. taking the kids around Halloweening, and the year before, I think I had either the snapped arm or I was going around the, the doors drunk mm. with the kids, you know, and yeah. I remember thinking, I'm not doing that this year. And did you did you seek help for that, or that was something that you just did to yourself, did. or was it the people around you? Do you know what? I broke down. Because there's a massive stigma about actually reaching out and asking for help. Asking for help. Yeah. Well, my, my wife, God love her, I mean, she, as much as she tried to help me, if, if you don't want to be helped, you're not going to be helped, you know. I'm surprised yeah. my marriage didn't break down. But she just sort of kept her distance from me, you know, mm. and, and done her own thing. We're just two ships passing. Two ships passing in the night type thing. And then I broke down to my mum. Went to my mum's house one day and just burst into tears and just told her I was a drunk and it was no good and I didn't want to be there anymore and just you know just really really mm. broke down to my mum um, and then uh, she says look you're going to have to get help and then uh, Shane you know Shane Faye, yeah 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 Shane Faye, I rung him and I said to Shane you know I says look listen man I I need a bit of help here and. He gave me a number of a fellow counsellor in, in Moira and I started going to him. And first few sessions, obviously somebody that doesn't know you. Um, and and you, you feel judged, do you say, you this yeah, paranoia? Uh, you, 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 sat, you sat down with him and I bled my heart out and was crying my eyes out and he asked you a question there, you know, if you felt about this, that, mm -hmm. and if you thought any bad thoughts, do you want to hurt mm -hmm. somebody? You know, the usual sort yeah, of... Yeah, cause harm to yourself, those around you. yourself yeah. and you're taking it off and... You bleed everything all out to him, and he tries to find the problem. And then it was good because he doesn't know you. Mm. You know, you're not. Mm. You know, you're, you're just blabbing everything. Sometimes easier. To, sometimes easier to talk to a stranger. It is, I think. Yeah. That's, I think that's why we like you. Fucking you unload on your barber sometimes. Exactly. Mm. I call him my barber, like Fido. An Arab Wallace too. He's another one that gets everything. It's therapy, man. Yeah. Therapy, you know. But that guy and and uh, the counselor, he done. And it was good getting it all off my chest. Of course, and then yeah. it, it went to the point where I had got it off my chest mm. and I was just going to him and I was lying and I was saying, he says, well, are you drinking at the minute? And I'm going, no, but I was. Yeah. You know, and it got to the point where I was nearly just going to him for the sake of going. Mm. I had got it off my chest mm. and I wasn't really changing, mm. you know, so I tried to get help and I, w I got help a bit, but I w the only person that can help yourself is you. Mm. You know, mm. you have to want to do I it. I firmly believe that's true. If you want the help, you will find it. Yeah. You'll find it. And, and you'll, it's just self-discipline is the thing. That's it. And I suppose, you know, I, I can empathise with somebody with an addictive personality. It's so yeah. fucking difficult to break those routines that you get into where, you know, beer and chocolate for me. I know it sounds mm. fucking stupid, but, yeah. you know, yeah. like, just drinking beer and eating chocolate are like two of the things that I find myself just sitting doing at fucking stupid hours of, uh -huh. of a day but to, to actually break that cycle Habit. and break those yeah break those habits man mm -hmm. yeah because it, it, it is as you say addictive it's repetition you know it really is I mean it's just I mean I listen to so many I, I find myself obsessed with professors and doctors mm -hmm. and 
uh, stuff on YouTube about psychology and philosophy mm. and just anything I could study, I studied, you know. I used to look for ways to validate my behaviours. So, so I would yeah. go, it's confirmation bias, is what it calls. So I yeah. go looking for things to validate why I'm doing this. And, and well, it's then not, it makes it, you think it's okay. Yeah, it's not my fault I'm doing this. It's because of some psychological imbalance mm. or chemical imbalance. Mm. Yeah. So I had to fucking kick that out of me as well. Uh, I mean, I was doing that too. I'd done all that. Uh, even genetic imprinting from the family. I was blaming, you know, my parents. For to my, have a predisposition to act this mm, way. Yeah, 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 yeah man. Why is this all just happening all of a sudden? Everything to avoid actually facing up that yeah, you're the root yeah, cause of your own fucking problems. Yeah. It's not nice to say just man up or mm. whatever, but you just know, have to be honest. People, so yeah, it's more being it's honest. People, as you said, be honest. And Jeff said, man up. It's a real, it's a real thing. You know, people don't like using the term man up now, and they don't like saying things like that because it's like saying just shake it off. Or huh. it's not. That's not what you're saying. What I'm saying is, it be true to yourself. Yeah. If you're true to yourself, and you, as you said, truly do want that help, that good experience. You, you'll find it. You can find it anywhere. You know, people yeah. got themselves out. You've got yourself out of it, which is, the, which is the ultimate great portion of this story. Like you've been able to say, look, I was here, and look where I've got to now, which is a fantastic yeah, if, if, jump. If this, yeah. if this was a movie, you're kind of slap bang in the middle of the third act. Yeah. At the yeah. minute where you've, you know, you've got the beginning of the first act, the, the, the adversity for want and lack of a mm. better word of the second act, and now you're slap back in the, in the slap bang in the middle of the third round. That kind of redemptive side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Self-love too. It sounds really aye. stupid and dark. Yeah, but well it's a really being, difficult aye. thing well to being, do aye. for some yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, my wife says to me all the time, you love yourself. Like, you really love yourself. I don't. I just put it out there that I do. Yeah. Mm. Because if you keep telling yourself that you do, subconsciously it goes into your head. Yeah, eventually it'll say again. You know, everybody's insecure about something. 100%. Everybody's insecure about themselves. But you have to force it into your brain. Yeah. Your self love. I mean, like, even that thing I done the night. Sometimes I just do it just to piss her off. You know, the selfie or the chain, you know, the photo. The photo. Uh, I got the photo shoot done there. Oh, yeah, asked yeah, me yeah, to yeah. want to do yeah, the photo yeah, shoot yeah. for him. And I went up and he sent me a thing and then I put it on the Facebook with the competition. Yes. To put it on the that screen was, saver. That was, that was pretty <laughs> funny. That was good. <laughs> to put it on as a screen saver on your face because he put it up. You know, the, that mm-hmm. one there. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. And um, then two friends, Robert and Stacey, they sent me a mm-hmm. message that night going, that's his main new screensaver. And I went, oh. I'm Something gonna, clicked there. I ain't going to do that on Facebook just for, for a gag, for a laugh. But it's stuff like that you have to take. You know, it's a, it's a gag. It's a, it, for it a is, bit of a laugh. Again, yeah. anybody talk who thinks... promoting yourself too. You yeah, have to do it. You're going to go and You want people to buy tickets. You want people to see the show. You want people to, yeah. to buy into that. And, and you also, have to do that. And also to break, especially coming up to a fight, to break the tension. Because it's a tense time. Yeah. The, the, eight or so weeks leading up to a fight mm-hmm. so you need to break that and it comes back to what we're saying about having a bit of crack and having a bit of banter in the gym you can't be stone faced the whole no. fucking time or you put your own head away or, like. and none of that anybody says you're full of shit Aye. or they're a knob or they're a boring cunt yeah, much, yeah. Same, same as the, uh, the SBG boys at the minute I mean I, I respect what they're doing so much although everybody is saying this that and the other about them and you know like the James Gallagher and Kiefer and all these boys that are, I mean, yeah. they're, they're fine yeah, at the top they're fine at the top level that, I mean I'm sure deep down inside their gut somewhere they're insecure I mean James Gallagher was talking about having panic attacks and yeah. didn't want to fight and so that to me is, a, is somebody that's not it, right there we know you can see that that guy's a gimmick and yeah. I people give him a lot of shit I actually can't help but like the guy you can't help but see where he's coming from I know people go oh he's Conman McGregor or whatever they're calling him 
but he's grown up with Connor. You know, yeah. the personality's going to rub off on him, and he's supremely talented. Yes, okay, his marketing's a bit cheap if you want, but also the fact that he's been fed a lot of dickheads. His last fight wasn't a dickhead, and he, he dealt with a guy really, really Salazar. well. Salazar? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're, you you have to give him a lot of credit. Same with Kiefer and all those guys. Very, very confident. Kylie's another one. Yep. Very confident, overtly strutting around, very, very sort of over-the-top. But yeah. you have to give them a lot of credit. But, like, Richard, Richard Kiley's got such a hard time after the MVP fight. He didn't need that hard time either. But if you look at that, he's had mm. his last two fights... He's been the main event in the three arena, the cool main event in yeah. the three mm-hmm. arena, and fought for a world title. Yeah, yeah. Who Fuck the fuck paid. else has done that and, and, and got, got paid? paid. Yeah. yeah. Who else has done that in four or five mm-hmm. fights? Who's done that in a career? Yeah. Very, very few. So people should be taking their fucking hat off, especially mm-hmm. on this island, yeah. to somebody yeah. like Richard Kiley instead of slating the man who's yeah. doing something. Because the people who are slating him are the people who have maybe never stepped foot in a fucking gym, let no, alone no. a cage. It's the same ones as I said before, some fucking pathetic incel sitting in their basement just watching Dorito YouTube. dust yeah, on their fucking yeah. fingers laptop soaked I mean the thing is too they've done it that many times in their head that it's just coming out now but everybody who's saying bad things about them is even if you're saying bad things about them you're still talking you're still talking about yeah. them mm-hmm. they're still in the public consciousness exactly and that's exactly you know, they've achieved their goal they've achieved for, that goal they're not going out to dinner for, with you they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're making you talk about them they're, and they're getting all this publicity. And if, and if, you're talking shit, if you're talking shit about Kiefer Crosby, if you're talking shit about James Gallagher, mm-hmm. do you think they're fucking talking about you? Couldn't care less whether you're no. alive or dead. I mean, you're a comment on a... Yeah. You're a comment on a... And exactly, a bullshit normally yeah. on, as I said before, some internet troll site, you know. Exactly. And they're not going to give a shit, and I'm sure the, the other trolls aren't, aren't going to care. Mm-hmm. I know. So, we're going to bring us, obviously, to a bit more of a close. Um, yeah. What's next for Jeff Hall? Holiday next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I just want to stay semi-active. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not. Listen, I'm not going anywhere like shows or. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing it because I love training with the guys. Mm-hmm. You're balancing out your family life, your business, you know, your work. I mean, there's. I've been in the house there the last couple of nights doing paperwork because I'm trying to get away on holiday next week and. It's real life, mate, isn't it? It's real life, mate, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the last couple of days, I've missed having a bit of banter mm. with the boys. And the wife is... I'm probably doing the wife's head in already. I've only been home two days. So it's just finding that balance between... Obviously, I don't want to be training every single night. Mm. You know, you're training like a pro, yeah. more or less. There's I mean, a very fine line between amateur and pro nowadays. Jesus it's Christ, just man. the time limit. There's yeah. no difference. No. I keep saying that to people. They're like, oh, I'm going to go pro and this and that. This is going to change. I'm like, what changes? Time what really changes for the amount of training you're doing? Yeah. That's what I mean, you're, you're, you're doing. You're doing a road running in the morning early. I mean, you're doing your maybe strength and conditioning session, and you're doing your mind coaching or whatever, and then you're, you're training in here most nights every single day. While you're doing a full time job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning as well. So just balance everything all out. Obviously, I enjoy the whole process of. Uh, the weight cutting and everything now whereas before I didn't enjoy it so the girls the last couple of days have been sort of not tracking calories or anything like that they're earning what I want but because you sacrifice that you appreciate it yeah now you're appreciating those those smaller things that obviously that beforehand were you didn't even think about you weren't thinking about them so I I just need to balance everything off just you know family business work making memories for your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, everyone says, oh, you're never here, you go away on holiday and all this here, but your kids are only young once. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm still doing what I love, training. I'm still 
on the business and working away and competing with views and, and everything else. So and just, just to finish, and I've started asking this to, to everyone on the podcast, either in the sporting capacity or just as a person, how would you like to be remembered? It's deep, isn't it? It is deep, mate. Mm. Jesus, you could have prepared me for that one. Uh, how would I like to be remembered? Um, probably just a good guy. Mm. It just wants to... Yeah, I want to sort of help people too, you know, so just a good guy who was a bit of a bit of crack and didn't take himself too seriously. And like, who else comes out dressed as Freddie Mercury in the Ulster Hall, the wee will Rocky, you know, not many. Um, yeah, just just a good guy. It's wanting to help people, done a bit of MMA and a fuck bit of a family man, that's it, really. I think the likes of myself and Andy can, uh, can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, who would you like to hear on the podcast? Would I like to hear on the podcast? Yeah. Might they ask up the Andy Young? I forgot about it. Um, Conor McGregor. You <laughs> 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 for the top boys? Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. send him a message here. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, are you nutritionist maybe? You know, yeah, that's a good shout, aye. We were just discussing that yesterday, mm-hmm. actually. We were mm-hmm. having this conversation about... More strength coaches, more nutrition coaches, things like that. The the under not the underside, but the unseen side, really yeah. that that keeps people basically ticking. Yeah. So we were thinking about that's not a bad shout, actually. We'll definitely try and somebody, get that. Somebody like a nutritionist, and, and then obviously the other side of the coin too would be somebody like a sports psychologist, psychologist. or something like that. There that's too, a great just call. To, just Could to see their ideas. point of view of what it is, because I, I mean, I think I said it in that video too that I see it all the time. You know, the depression and mm. the, the ups and the downs, mm-hmm. and not just fighters. But just life, but life, you know. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to hear that maybe there are a few mm-hmm. from my uh, people are up and down so much, mm-hmm. and somebody they got there. Cool. Anyway. Perfect. Okay, Phil. That. What do you think about wrapping up? Hundred percent, Jeff. Anything else you'd like to get off your chest while you're here? Just thanks very much to you guys. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, son, my son's a fanboy of uh, Henry Corrigan, and Nico is a fanboy of Mickey Dorn. Brilliant. Two good guys. Two good guys. Of you guys. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Not Another Fight Cast with myself, Phil Campbell. And Andy the Icon Burroughs. And we have been very lucky today to be talking with Mr. Jeff Hall. Folks, just want to thank everybody who takes their time to like, subscribe, or share, and to give up their time to even listen to us. We're, we're more than grateful and more than thankful. Um, please get in contact um, with us if you want to... Where can they find us, Andy? Uh, oh, yeah, you can find us on the socials. I know that's a thing before anybody gives you any more shit about it. Um, at Not Another Fightcast on Instagram and also on Facebook. So if we can go like, subscribe, share, go back and listen to Andy Young as well, um, Mr. Carlos Kramer, Paul Murray, we've got some exceptional guests on. Now I'm with, <coughs> with uh, Jeff Hall. So folks, thank you very much for your time. We've been not another fight cast. And remember, fighting solves everything. <laughs>